Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Linda Bartman about building a company culture of camaraderie in the workplace. Linda Bartman, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, John. Yeah, it is great to be with you today. I'm excited to have a nice conversation. We're going to be talking about camaraderie in the workplace and really how we go about building a company culture that is uh, inclusive and where people feel that safety and and the ability to have those close relationships with each other. Uh, That's super important in the modern workplace, whether we're talking about physical face-to-face workplace, remote, hybrid, whatever, right? So we're going to be exploring that together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Linda's bio with everybody. Linda Bartman is the Chief Operating Officer at Uptake. With over 15 years of success building and scaling businesses, Bartman aligns marketing, sales, and operations to create a unified customer experience that positions companies for growth in challenging markets. She also truly enjoys coaching, motivating, and developing her people. Uh, That's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me. Anything else you would like listeners to know about you, your background, your history uh, before we launch on in? I think that was a great recap. I'm just excited to be talking to you about culture and camaraderie. It's something that I have been really passionate about throughout my career, and um, I'm excited to be here and just having the conversation. Okay, excellent. Well, why don't we start with uptake Um, if you can describe for us a little bit about what uptake is, what you try to do and how, uh, organizations can use uptake to build camaraderie in their workplace. Well, so uptake, so we actually focus on heavy industries. So meaning, um, mining, manufacturing, oil and gas, power and utilities, and we're a tech company. Um, and what we do is take underutilized data. Uh, And we help uh, these different industries operate more efficiently, effectively, everything through how the machines run to how processes run. Um, And that's what our business does. Now, Uptake has been around for seven years. And so one of the things that I've been doing with our leadership team um, over the past year or so is doing exactly what you're talking about, building camaraderie. We're we're scaling and and building that business. So wanting to make sure as we went remote, too, that we are doing the right things to really engage uh, our folks in the right way. 
That's great. And can you start to describe for us a little bit about what you are doing at Uptake to build that camaraderie? And like you said, I mean, the, the pandemic really caught everyone off guard. Um, there were some companies that were already completely remote and virtual. I suppose they probably had the easiest go of it because they didn't have to make the huge transition overnight. But most organizations had to have that transition. They had to have more uh, remote people uh, or at least some sort of hybrid arrangements. And it's one thing to build camaraderie and culture when you're all together in the same space. It's something altogether different when we're trying to do it and people are distributed perhaps across the world and we're never actually in the same room together. We're just connecting over Zoom, Teams, whatever. So how how have you tried to do that over the past year? Well, and interestingly enough, when I joined in January, we were remote. So I had a complete remote onboarding, um, which is the first time I had ever gone through that. And then obviously as a growing company, we're onboarding folks remotely all the time. And we made the decision early on that, you know, we are going to now start to um, really hire people across the U.S., um, not so worry, much worry about having a central hub somewhere, um, just because the, you know, the pandemic gave us that opportunity to do so, and uh, we could get great talent a- across the board. And so, you know, I think when you talk about camaraderie, it's it's how you set the tone in your organization, and it's it's from the get go, right? From the first meeting with your your candidate or the first meeting with a newly onboarded person, and it sounds very basic, but I do. Can, think- I, can I actually chime in? Sure. I, I, I'll I'll push it even a little bit further back, and and absolutely, once you start to interview people, um, once you start to bring them in, um, once you start, once you actually hire them and onboard them, absolutely, you need to start building it into all of those different elements. But I think you need to build it into really the applicant experience, right? And just the recruiting process. And uh, we all know that most organizations do a pretty crummy job of how they treat their applicants. And so, you know, once, once you find someone you want to hire, you, you treat them really well, you know, because you want them to come work for you, but what about everyone else? And just because you aren't hiring them now, doesn't mean you're not going to want to hire them in the future. And will they have a bad taste in their mouth? So I think that's, you know, setting the stage, Uh, for everything else you're going to do within the organization. Yeah, we totally agree. And we've been really focusing on that applicant experience. And to your point, which is a great one, is anyone you talk to now, even if it's not the right role today, you're building relationships. And in a way, it's anything like you do with sales, right? You're building, you're cultivating relationships. And you want that person to know who you are because something can change down the, you know, down the road and you want to bring them into your culture. So yeah, we really start from that point. And then, you know, even in the onboarding, uh, there's nuanced things I always like to say, but we have onboarding classes of folks that we start remotely. Obviously we have a breakfast or a lunch and uh, we try to always do these icebreakers and icebreakers. It's a, it's a common thing. Everybody does them, but I think, you know, the types of questions that you ask to an employee really does set the stage for how you operate as an organization. It's the difference between, you know, what was the trend you were rocking in high school, which everyone answers, right? We always have leadership on as well. So we're all answering it. Everyone's answering it. Um, But, you know, it's not saying, you know, what's the best book you've read and how, you know, tell me about how that was intellectually stimulating to you. That's going to give you a very different kind of setting in that meeting, right? 
And we just want to make people comfortable and feel safe about being able to talk about who they are outside of what they do. And we start that from the very moment that we're in onboarding classes with folks. And we try to make it a comfortable environment to where you can start talking to each other and getting to know each other. And we bring folks in from like all of the different teams. Um, And that's, you know, it's to your point, it's starting, you know, starting from the applicant process through to onboarding and then maintaining it in the organization to where over time it becomes organic, which is really what you want, right? Organic camaraderie. Yeah. When it feels forced and inauthentic, uh, you know, it's, it can actually backfire and it can, it can really cause more problems, but you got to start somewhere and you have to create the culture that you want and you have to model it and you have to create that safe place, uh, that safe space, like you mentioned with psychological safety, where people feel like they can trust each other, where they can lean on each other and there's mutual accountability and trust. And, and if you don't have that, um, the organic connections that are bound to happen, uh, won't happen. And, and I'm a big believer in just being very proactive about creating the type of environment that you want to create and the organic stuff. It's, it's nice to see that happen over time. And, uh, but especially if you're remote, that's harder and harder to do organically because you just don't have those casual encounters throughout the office. So you really do have to be purposeful and structure the opportunities for people to have those connections. Uh, I can't just swing by someone's office and chat for a few minutes. I, you know, I have to like schedule a zoom meeting (laughs) to do that with them, um, which is fine. You, there are ways to do that. um, But we just have to make sure that we're, we're being thoughtful about it and trying to be real and authentic in how we're creating the scaffolding around those opportunities. So it doesn't just feel forced, you know, like we're forced friendships or, or something like that, that just never works. Well, and it, what's hard about it is, you, you know, you mentioned you can't walk around and say hello to people or when new people start, if you don't naturally work with them, you may not ever connect with them if you're remote. And so it is about just modeling behavior as well. Like, you know, everyone in, in uptake, we always schedule one-on-ones with folks, get to know folks. We ask our managers to do that, but the managers now have bigger jobs as well because, they're trying to make sure that they understand what's really going on with their employee. They're also trying to, you know, encourage their employees to meet other people that they naturally wouldn't work with um, so that they can build those relationships. And, you know, you know, channels and tools like a Slack um, really have become the way you do the water cooler conversation. And you end up creating all these different channels for, you know, what is great about the business to, you know, the different affinity groups, you know, this is the group that loves trivia night, or you're really, that's almost your digital, you know, I'm stopping by and saying, hi, how's your day going? Here's a picture of my child in the snow this morning. And you're trying to use those channels to really, you know, authentically connect with folks, um, which can be difficult because you don't know who you're missing all the time. So you're trying to make those connections, but then over time you build friendships and it kind of stems from there. Yeah. Pre-pandemic, one of the things that uh, one colleague of mine did that was just very proactive, I was very impressed. Uh, She's not a extrovert by any stretch of the imagination, but she decided early, she's early career. She decided she just needed to get to know people and, and build her network. And so she decided every day she would just go approach someone different to have lunch with. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's a little awkward and sometimes people are busy and they say no, but for the most part, it's worked out fine and people are gracious. And, and then over time, you just start to get to know everybody. And once you kind of have that initial 
icebreaker moment where, where walls break down a little bit, then it's easier to have those organic conversations and, and to build trust over time. And so that's something that she did. Now, during the pandemic, of course, where, where, you know, a lot of people aren't in the physical office space, you're not able to go have like actual lunch with people, but everyone still needs to eat. So right. you can still schedule a Zoom lunch and say, hey, I'm, I, this is my time. I'm going to eat. Hey, anyone want to jump on a Zoom with me and we can just eat and chat? Um, those types of things work just fine. Uh, and so as long as we are being thoughtful and creative about what we want to try to accomplish, uh, there, there's no reason why we can't still build that camaraderie uh, within our team, uh, even when we're distributed, even when we're remote. Yeah, um, that's totally true. And and it's it's funny, it's, it's before when we weren't all remote, we would always turn the camera off when we ate because, you know, does the camera need to be on my face when I'm eating food? But now everyone, to your point, we have breakfast together, we have lunch together, and we try to do some of that stuff. And you don't want the video to get in the way of it. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, so let's let's build on this idea of building camaraderie. We want this positive culture. We want people to feel like they genuinely like each other, um, actually one other piece I wanted to just mention, there was a recent study that came out. Um, I think it was a Harvard business review, um, article that talked about, uh, just friendships, like the number of people, um, the, the number of friendships that younger millennial and Gen Z, uh, individuals have. And it was, it was something really sad, like one in five, uh, millennial and Gen Z don't even consider that they have a friend, a single friend. Um, and that's heartbreaking, right? That, wow. uh, that uh, you would go throughout life and all the ups and downs without having anyone you can lean on. And so the reality is the workplace um, is that for a lot of people, or it's the closest thing they might have to that for a lot of people. Uh, they may not have family and friends at home, you know, to, to unload on or to decompress you know, from their workday, when they get home, they may need that opportunity to just have people they know and trust and care about at work. And so it's just one more reason why camaraderie is going to be important, especially for the younger generation that seems, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of this interpersonal crisis, I think that that we have um, 
that we're trying to figure out. So um, yeah. now with, with all the camaraderie elements in place, you know, that's certainly one way we can approach, um, you know, this great recession and attracting and retaining good talent. We, we definitely want a positive workplace. Um, but what else have you done at Uptake to, to try to help with that challenge of attracting and retaining good people, especially now where, you know, we have more um, job openings and we have people looking for jobs. We, you know, people are, are more and more willing to say no to crappy jobs and uh, it, it's harder and harder for organizations to find highly skilled people. Yeah, I think it's a combination um, of a few things. I mean, first, it, it is talking to candidates about uh, the intangibles and then trying to communicate that out in different forums, like on LinkedIn and Glassdoor, trying to really showcase your culture across the places where candidates go and see, do I want to work here? Or is this a fit? Uh, and it's also about for us, I mean, we're a tech business. So, you know, when we're recruiting folks, they're interested in the type of work we're doing. Uh, is it cool? Will I like to do it? And will I have fun doing it as well? Uh, and, you know, the different generations have different motivations. And so you do really need to understand what that motivated you know, what the talent is really looking for. Are they looking for a challenge? Are they looking for a, a place where they do feel safe and they haven't felt like they have a voice before? So it's a number of intangibles along with just talking about the work, talking about the vision and selling the vision. And I think because the job market today, I mean, obviously it's a candidate's market with the conversations we're having, they are choosy about who they're working with. And so they do want to, they ask a lot more questions about culture. They ask, they ask a lot more questions about the type of work. And so to the extent that we can project that on the different channels that they're looking at for who they want to work with, we do. Um, but also it is talking about who we are, why, you know, why we do what we do, and that they're coming into an organization that truly does want to be invested in the person outside of work as well as inside of work. And we do, you know, then you come in and you feel that experience from the beginning. And that's what we've really been building. To be clear here, we, we need to make sure that we're not just saying the right things, but that we're doing the right things. Because right. you might be able to say all the right things and make it look really great. And you, you attract really good people and you get a really nice, diverse workforce and everything. And then people get into the actual environment and they realize, wait a minute, <laughs> there's yeah. a little bit of a bait and switch going on. I don't like this. This isn't actually inclusive. Um, this isn't fun. This isn't psychologically safe, whatever. And, and then they bolt and they have options. Like people right now just aren't willing to work for a crappy boss. They're not willing to yeah. work um, in an unhealthy environment. And so we just have, we can't take those things for granted. Uh, we, we have to treat our people well and, and recognize that they do have options. So let's, let's not just talk the talk, which is important. We need to right. say the right things and frame things the right way, but let's make sure that we're actually walking the walk, doing what we say we're going to do, that we hold our leaders accountable to yep. create those good types of atmospheres that people can thrive in. And, and that will give us a much better chance at both attracting and retaining good people. It'll help us build our employer brand uh, so that people know that we're a place, we're like a destination organization, like people right. want to go work there. It's a privilege to work in your organization. That's, that's the kind of um, reputation that we want. Yeah, and I think to just attach it to business performance, you know, is important as well. So we want the energetic, the passionate workforce, the workforce that loves to work with, you know, their colleagues, but also, 
you know, there are certain kinds of companies and I've worked for them in the past that really pit people up against each other competitively. Um, and I've wanted and built organizations and helped to build organizations and in uptakes case where we want everyone to work together to solve the problem. And when you have an organization that does have a underlying framework of camaraderie and respect and trust, you get the less finger pointing, you get more, I, I want to solve this problem with you because I have a relationship with you and because, you know, we can solve this together and I feel accountable to you. Not my boss necessarily, who you also feel accountable to, of course, but I don't want to let you down because I know you, you know, you know, I know who you are. And I think that's a really you know, it's a, it's a really interesting thing when you look at camaraderie and what it does for business performance. And it really just helps all around because people are energized about the, the, the problems they're solving, energized about who they're working with. And it, and it just helps the whole business get uplifted. So, so let's talk a little bit more about the transition in the workplace. Um, workplace, the, the workplace continues to evolve. Uh, as we move into the future of work, we have more disruptive technologies. We have, you know, we have things like a pandemic. We have uh, economic upheavals and societal upheaval. There's all these different things that play all these external drivers of change in the workplace and in, in relation to the future of work. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges for companies, any company really, but also specifically at Uptake uh, in terms of having that really great culture as we move into the future of work? Yeah, well, you know, too, I think people now with all of that, those external factors, you see burnout, you see people feeling they're not in control, there's stress mechanisms. I think there's no magic bullet to um, what solves for this. I think it is really understanding, you know, how do you, um, how do you communicate and really get your, have your talent really connect with what you're doing as a business. And, you know, you have to recruit, you have to tell your story, but you also have to be way more empathetic than I think we used to be as leaders and as folks who are looking for talent and almost more observant and sensitive than you used to be in business. I mean, in business, you know, you've always wanted to have some kind of empathy, but today people are, they're dealing with such other factors if, if you aren't a culture that really does try to connect with the person and have that empathetic ear and really understand on a day-to-day level, you know, what's happening with your employee base. And, it, and it's different, whether you're a new mom, whether you have elderly care, whatever your case, you really need to understand those dynamics and the generational dynamics a little bit more. And you have to train up your managers and your leaders in the organization too, uh, to really be able to retain and work differently, I think, than we're used to. I mean, if, you know, you were on a board meeting three years ago and your doorbell rang and you were at home, that was just, you know, that was the worst thing. I mean, today you can be, you know, having a conversation on a great podcast and, you know, you can have two children wrestling behind you and, you know, that's just kind of become the norm. So you also have to switch what you believe the norm is uh, because it's just all changed and you have to change with it as a business. Yeah. And flexibility is the name of the game, right? So compassion, empathy, flexibility, and just challenging our previous, you know, notions and assumptions about what work needs to look like and and how it's structured. Because if if nothing else, I think this, these past 20 plus months have shown us that a lot of the, the ways that we had set up uh, our companies, our organizations, the workplace 
uh, you know, they, they were just traditions that didn't need to be perpetuated. Um, yeah. And there's no particular reason why we need to do things that way. It's just what we always, always did. And, and this has given us an opportunity to, to recognize that, to, to step back a little bit, take a fresh look, recognize yeah. those things that just aren't necessary. Uh, now there are some leaders who, who really, really long to go back to the way things yeah. were. Um, and I suppose that's always the way it's going to be, but you know, the pendulum has swung so far, we might swing back a little bit, but we're not going back to the way it was. And the the clear trajectory pre-pandemic was already an, a move towards more uh, distributed workforce, more virtual work, uh, uh, more flexibility, uh, more gig work, like all these things yeah. were already happening. They yeah. just got accelerated during the pandemic. We're not going back. And, and so leaders need to accept that and they need to move yeah. forward trying to figure out how to be effective in this new reality, this new world that we find ourselves in. Yeah. And I think if people, I mean, some people love working at home and they never need to have a, you know, in-person human reaction or, you know, interaction for other people though, you know, you've seen a lot during the pandemic, people who say, let's meet at your house and have, you know, we can sit, you know, apart from each other and have a meeting or let's meet downtown somewhere. So, you know, again, organically for those people who want the interaction, you can have your office open for certain folks who want to go in there and do that. And you can have a hybrid organization because I do think everyone is a little different, different. Um, but the flexibility to your point, you just have to be flexible. You, you really do. I don't think, and, and I think it's good for people. I mean, it's genuinely good for people. Uh, and, I, and I'm happy that it's all going this way, not the reason why it's going this way, but I'm happy that we have a different view into how folks can work, be successful working and manage, you know, their lives, um, you know, in the way that they need to. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, it has just been a real pleasure chatting with you today, Linda. The time has flown by. I note that I have to let you go here in just a few minutes. But before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with my listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, uh, find out more about uh, really uh, what Uptake is all about. And then give us a final word on the topic for today. So yeah, so so first of all, I really enjoyed the conversation, and I think it was just great to connect and talk about culture and camaraderie. I think it's been something that we're going to continue to build our foundation on, and I know for, for folks everywhere who are dealing with the pandemic, um, the one thing we can do is give each other a little bit of grace and empathy as we kind of move through this um, strange time. Um, and if, if anyone wants to connect with me, please do so on LinkedIn. I'm Linda Bartman um, on LinkedIn. And you can, and you can see um, what Uptake does and learn more about us on Uptake.com. And again, thank you so much, John, for the conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected with Linda, find out more about what she and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? 
What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.